some people go and buy a super sporty car and try to get a new youth. My way of reflecting on my life at the age of 50 and very much pushed by my children and by the way they were making me think differently was to think of, of another future for me and realizing I could have an impact and how to put that impact in, 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 in my job and in everything I was doing. Hi, I'm Catalogue Goulven, and this is Mission to Change, the show where I hear from people who turn business into a force for good and learn about their journey to make it happen. Demographic change and rapid urbanizations are two global megatrends that will require a transformation of the built environment as we know it, so that the world can continue to function. It is estimated that in the next 30 years, there will be an additional 1.2 million square kilometers of new urban built-up space that is about the size of Ethiopia. With such a large expansion of the built environment, it's no surprise that cement is the most used material on Earth after water. And it also accounts for 7% of global greenhouse gas emissions. A zero-carbon, nature-positive concrete is therefore a cornerstone to a net-zero global economy. In this episode, I speak with Magali Anderson, the Chief Sustainability and Innovation Officer at Allseam, the largest cement producer in the world. She's on a mission to make the built environment work for nature. I am Magali Anderson, and I am the Chief Sustainability and Innovation Officer for Allseam. Holcim is the biggest material construction material company in the world outside China. My mission is to change a company and further than that, to change the industry and why not the world? Let's go for it. Magali is an engineer by training. She started her career in the oil and gas industry. In 2016, with the oil market crashing and a feeling of disconnection from her work, she decided to leave the industry. She was then headhunted by Allseam to become the head of health and safety. During her time in this role, the number of work-related fatalities got divided by seven. A few years after, she was offered the role of chief sustainability officer. I think uh, about three years ago, let's say summer three years ago, um, the Jan Yenish, our CEO and, and the board of director, um, realized that they had to accelerate on the sustainability front. And they felt that the best way to accelerate was to create the chief sustainability officer role and put it at the right level, which is executive committee. They decided to do that and they looked for candidates. Um, at that time, they felt I was the best candidate. So they offered it to me. And it was, uh, it, I, I was, I mean, I did not hesitate a second. I was very honored they offered it to me because it's really something I had been wanting to do. Um, so when they offered it to me, they combined it with my health and safety. So I've got two hats, even though we did we don't keep health and safety in the title purely for simplification reasons. So I, I still do both. Um, and I know that when uh, Jan uh, approached me with that offer, my answer to him was... Um, if I make Holcim look good, that will be a collateral effect. But my primary goal is to really change things. And I hope you are with me on that, because if you are not, I, I suggest you give that job to somebody else. And um, I really wanted to make that super clear, because I didn't want Jan 
I wanted to make sure that he did not have in mind that it was going to be a PR job where I was going to make some nice communication and everybody would be happy. I mean, he agreed immediately. I consider my job as an internal activist. Uh, and I really wanted to make sure that Jan understood I needed that space. I needed to be able to challenge people. And, and that, that's also what he wanted. So how did Magali, with no expertise in sustainability, approach her new role of chief sustainability officer, especially in such a big organization? Where does one start? When I come in a job, I never think I come with all answers because um, I, I'm clearly not a sustainability professional. I know nothing about sustainability. And there was already a great team in place who had been doing things. I mean, the, the cement industry as a whole has reduced CO2 emission by 20% in the last, since 1990, and whole sim by, say, have reduced by 29%. So what I usually do is I do spend the first couple of months meeting a huge amount of people, listening to everybody. Mm -hmm. And then I'm really trying to put my listening, not talking hat on, which you know how much I talk is not that natural for me. <laughs> but, but it was really, and, and then you do a big workshop. And I always start my workshop by saying, If what comes out of this workshop, I could have written it by myself in my office, then we have just wasted a lot of time and, and money. So you guys have to come with any stupid, any crazy idea. I just want stupid and crazy ideas. I don't want the traditional ones. There's about 70, 80 people there. And we came out of that with the idea we should do the pledge. And so, so everyone is super excited. You go for dinner, you have some drinks, and it's fantastic. It's super momentum. And then you wake up the next morning and it's and it's hangover time. And it's like, oh, damn, what did we do? Did we really say we were going to do that? And uh, then you then you regroup your your smaller team, the you know, your close team and say, Okay guys, so we said we are going for pledge, what do you think? And say, uh it's going to be tough. I say, Yeah, well that's why it's going to be fun. From that workshop, the idea of a carbon pledge came up. The first big task Magali would complete. A pledge may seem simple enough, but beyond the announcements, there is a lot of work to do to back it up with an execution plan. We had to involve more than 100, 200 people in the entire organization to come up with the model. We consulted a few outside organizations, but more to have their opinion, to understand if what we are doing sounds good. But we did not go for a third party. The entire work was done in-house. And, and I think it's very important because at, at the end of the day, decarbonizing cement industry is about technology is technical so no one understands better how cement works at our own people yeah so giving the right goals to the right people and that's the type of discussion that you have by talking internally understanding what are people uh, what is a bonus link to for example this type of things so just as an example one of the thing we did in 2020 is that we now have um, our 200 um, top leaders of the company have a long-term incentive. One third of it is linked to sustainability. So Magali's efforts built on what had been done before at Olsim. When she took the job, there was already an established team working on sustainability. But without the input and efforts of the entire company, the pledge could not be realized. Magali's role as an internal activist was to bring everybody on board and help make an abstract concept tangible. 
I think that was really the reason why previous attempts to do similar things had failed is because uh, the the sustainability people were trying to do it by themselves and trying to do it just slides and so on. So by, by getting those people involved from the start, from the workshop time, um, the people from the cement manufacturing process, the people from the innovation, etc., etc., then I really had all the people who were involved in it. But but again, without forgetting the operation people, because at the end, the you can say, okay, process-wise, we're going to do that, innovation, we're going to do that, da, da, da. But if you don't have the people on the ground putting the product and selling the product to the customers that has low carbon, then everything else is blah, 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 like someone more famous than me said not so long ago. And so uh, can you tell me, I mean, what was hard here? I'm listening to you and it seems like all this happened workshop and here's the pledge. Aligning everybody is the first thing. And, and going further on the alignment topic is if you have um, the guy who at the end of the, of the day makes money for the company. I, okay. I don't make money for the company. I have, there are people in the <laughs> countries that are the operation guys and they're the ones who pay my salary and pay every corporate people's salary. Mm. The, that person is the one, is a true change maker. The country CEO is the one who is going to put the, who is going to decide or not to have a marketing plan to sell my low carbon product, for example. Now, the worst thing that can happen to the country CEO is to have contradicting objectives. At Allsim, Magali sits in the executive committee, which is vital for alignment on sustainability, including with a chief financial officer whose metrics and KPIs are completely different. He can't, he should not have to choose between the objective of Magali, the chief sustainability and innovation officer, or the objective of Geraldine, the chief financial officer. It mm. happens we are two French ladies on those two jobs. Um, <laughs> it's a coincidence. <laughs> or you could debate when you look for the best people, you get the French woman, but that's another story. <laughs> so, so a big thing for me was to align with Geraldine, was okay. to align at the exco level so that the the, um, there is consistency in the messages we, we pass on to the guy who at the end of the day will have to run the show for real. And that's for me is super important and a bit too often we forget about that. And you end up with someone who has to choose and unfortunately by habit he certainly would choose uh, to please the CFO before the CSIO. But that's for habit thing for the moment. <laughs> but I think it's super important. If you put yourself in a position where you are fighting against everybody at the exco, I don't see how it can work. Hmm. So you have yeah. to be an internal activist while you need to align with other people. We were the first hmm. movers. And people are always reluctant to be the first movers. You know, when you are in a mega company like ours, startups, you need to be first movers because that's your position. But when you are a big old company like us, more than a century, both legacy companies, etc., it's it's much more difficult. And mm. um, so, so the, the other methodology I used is a COE method, you know, where if you repeat things enough... <laughs> <laughs> that will be part of everyone's vocabulary. So every time I could drop the word pledge, I would drop it. I would pass in front of my um, 
I won't say almost on a daily basis, but my office is not that far off uh, Jan Yenish office, so I would always find an opportunity to pop in his office and, and say pledge. <laughs> okay. right. Right. So it's like internal activist slash evangelist. <laughs> exactly. So people get used to the word that by the time you present to them the full thing, the, it's not that new anymore because I've heard of it so much. So it's not that new anymore. On September 21st, 2020, during the New York Climate Week, Olsim announced their Net Zero Climate Pledge with science-based targets covering their direct emissions, what's called Scope 1 and 2. And one year later, they pledged to reduce their indirect emissions, what's called Scope 3. Having successfully managed to tackle climate, Magali decided to take what she had learned and apply it to the next challenge, biodiversity and nature. It was not, um, okay, we finished the pledge, now let's go for biodiversity. We were working on biodiversity okay. mm-hmm. since the start. Um, but there's two things. First thing is, originally I was t- to announce everything at the same time, but then I knew that the pledge would make so much noise that it would undermine everything else, and that was not acceptable. Okay. Uh, for me, the, every topic is so important, I can't have one that is so dominant. But the main reason, so that's the official excuse, but the real reason is, is so much harder. Hmm. It's, um, I mean, CO2 is very basic, it's very simple. You know how to measure it, you know how much you emit, you go to zero, and then you make a straight line and you know what your target is and you and you produce it in your annual report and people can follow your progress. Seriously, can't be much more basic than that. Nature, well, first of all, no one knows how to measure nature. But more than that, People don't know how to talk about nature. Shareholders don't know how to come and challenge your nature. Uh, for example, if you say, I am nature positive, or I will be nature positive, uh, <laughs> the next question is, what does that mean? Um, I don't know, but I think I might figure it out one day. You know, it doesn't work. So in our case, we were, we were actually quite lucky because about 10 years ago, Uh, there was a work done by IUCN supported by Holcim on defining um, something called BIRS, which is a biodiversity uh, indicator reporting system, which is actually a way to measure nature, but made for the cement industry. So we had we had that in our pocket, and basically what we what we realized it was pretty hard to implement. So the, a lot of our work was. How long will it take us to come up with the biodiversity index at company level? And we agreed that it would take us until 2024 to do that. And then our commitment is to move it positively between now and 2030. We looked in the 500 biggest companies in the world. Only six companies before us had done that had taken um, biodiversity objective with a science measurable way of doing it if you were to give advice to 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 uh, you know someone else in your position in another company they've done they've done their job on on uh, on climate and now they want to take that extra step or they started but they want to take that extra step towards um considering nature what would be the main recommendations to them well it's really go back to the measurement 
and go back to the science. And there is now more and more tools that are being developed. There is uh, uh, capital accounting that is being uh, out there. So you can look at capital coalitions type of organization, IUCN. There's plenty of people in that case, you would need a partner to define your measuring methodology, but that's a really very technical partner. And you might find that actually um, a measuring framework already exists for your industry. Um, so, so that's the first thing. But the second part of our nature strategy, which I didn't mention yet, is, okay, so why no one told, tells us about nature as a cement company? It's because at the end of the day, our nature impact is not that big. I mean, yes, we have a few quarries and the biodiversity on the quarry while we exploit it is not so good, but then we transform it into something good. And until now, we always felt that that's where our duty stops. And overall, considering the big scheme of things, it's actually not that big uh, amount of area. But you have to look at what your companies can impact overall. When, when I say we need, you need to look beyond your company, it's super important, but it's important first you do the job inside the company. You know, I, I can talk about less CO2 in the entire built environment because of the pledge on cement. I can talk about nature in the city because we, are already, we said we will be nature positive in our own operations. So I think it shouldn't be an excuse to pass on the bucket to someone else. Much like her projects have evolved and gotten bigger, Magali's own position has evolved. She's now Chief Sustainability and Innovation Officer. But what triggered that change? What we do is technical. And it's really the product we put in the market that have to use less water or be more friendly with nature, etc., etc. And that happens in the Innovation Center. It's, it's nowhere else. So there was already a lot of link because 80% of what the Innovation Center is doing is on the sustainability front, either on nature or CO2, etc. So it's not like they were not working on it. But um, when uh, when we were discussing, because of course the CSO job was so new, I had to invent it, and I had to invent it with Jan Yenish and 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 the, and the board. We have something called sustainovation. <laughs> we have a sustainovation team, and even though they were already doing eighty percent on sustainability, putting the both together has brought already a huge amount of value because it makes people think differently um, wh when they all sit together. Before they were kind of talking once in a while, but now that now I force my sustainability people to really think instead of just waiting for innovation to do something, to be uh, proactively giving element to the innovation people, but also understanding the challenges of the innovation. And I think it brings a huge amount of value. I mean, I would really think if you are in a, in an industrial sector with um, uh, technology challenges, you should really have both holes together. Yeah, yeah. And that's that also goes with what you were saying earlier in terms of really looking at sustainability um, as, you know, an, an opportunity uh, and not just a constraint on the business, but an opportunity for, for growth and development, in fact. No, yes, absolutely. I mean, if if you if you look at it as an opportunity, I would even go further. I would say only people who look at it as an opportunity as an opportunity have a real future.
By tackling each challenge step by step, innovating within her role, the ambition of Magali is to change the business model of Olsim. By changing Olsim, a wider system and industry transformation can take place, which will ultimately alter the built environment by reconciling nature and urbanization. First, you do what you can do internally, and then you look at the built environment, in our case. That's really the, the, the biggie is there. That's where the big impact is, is, is to change, to stop talking about CO2 per cubic meters of concrete, but to look at how I built a house with much less CO2, the full house, which also means how do I reduce how much concrete I put in it, by the way. And that means that the true thing is to change the business model. And that's why being at the exco is so important. And that's why being an operation and a, and a business person is so important. Because that's really the, the ultimate graal is changing the business model. So you have people who have been selling volumes of concrete for years. I'm now telling them, don't want you to sell volumes of concrete. I want you to sell performance of a construction and the concrete associated to that. And that's absolutely, I just love that. I'm fully aligned with the marketing officer of this and we are working hand in hand. So it's really, I think the, the true thing you are trying, you want to do, but in our case, first we had to establish the credibility on our materials first, because if not, people would have again, listened to us and say, oh yeah, you, you are trying to push the topic to other people, to the way you yeah, define, yeah, yeah. etc. So the true, true things has to be how you change the business model of the company. And I think it's true for every single company. You have to question what you sell and how you sell it and, and how you, you uh, collaborate with the rest of the value chain. For example, when I talk about volume of concrete, quite often we only talk to the procurement guy of the construction company. Now I want to talk to the designer. I want to talk to... and. And we will get there because they have the same pressure on reducing CO2. And I am there, my scope one is a scope three. You, what you're looking at here is system change, right? And uh, what I'm hearing you say also is that you can actually uh, activate the system change even by pushing things through one particular company. You, you, you are right because um, the the other thing I'm doing, there's so many things to say. We, we, you need three hours, thank you. <laughs> The other thing I haven't mentioned as well is my role in the Global Cement and Concrete Association, yeah, where yeah. I am the co-chair of the 2050 roadmap that was announced last year, uh, where we managed to align all the CEOs to to all commit to, to net zero by 2050 on concrete. Yeah, yeah. And the GCCA uh, represents 80% of the volume of cement outside China, which is amazing. Huge. And... Uh, so those ideas, and again, I, I, I may be the, the one who triggers the change, but or part of the ones who trigger the change, but because the others are, understand it needs to be done, so, so they all want to do it. So, so it was important for me to, in whole scene, that we were leading the way so we can now influence the full industry to say, hey, you see, we were the first movers. It was very well accepted by everybody. We didn't get any pushback. You guys need to run with us now. We all need to run together because at the end, it's not Holcim who needs to change. It's the entire industry. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Instead, is putting a 
graduating 1,000 MBAs uh, students a year here, right? So there is a, a power for change here in terms of this mass of uh, potential impact. Um, if you had something to tell them as they go back uh, on the job and also, you know, have to find a job that will pay back their student's loan. I think um, we can all be internal activists and we can all change things from inside. And every single role is important. If you work in finance, it's important because of the reporting, because of um, looking at how you you combine the financial goals to the sustainability goals. Um, if you work in technology, it's pretty obvious, depending where you are. If you work in general management, you ha can change the business model of your company. So mm, there's mm. not a single role that exists where you can't embed sustainability. Yeah. So if you have that in mind, you know, I think ideally in 10 years from now, you shouldn't need me anymore. Yeah. My job should disappear because it should be taken over by everybody else. Mission to Change is a podcast by the INSEAD Hoffman Global Institute for Business and Society in collaboration with Intent. Created and produced by Human Humans. Original sound music, design and mixing by Palomino. Coordination, research and script editing by Isabel Stark. Thank you.